broadcasting from their world headquarters in Texas. It's the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show, the show that discusses arcade repair, restoration, news, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Hello? There we go. Okay, sorry guys. Yeah, I was noticing our levels weren't right. Tim, it happens. That's part of being on a live show. So um, finally, we got it, guys. So welcome to episode 29 of the Arcade Repair Tips live show for July 2019. Now, Tim, obviously, we usually do this on the first Thursday night of the month, but tomorrow is the 4th of July, Independence Day here in the United States. So we will not be doing it. Instead, we moved it up to today. So this is a Wednesday episode of our normal Thursday show. Does that make sense? Yes. Good, and of course, my name is Jonathan. I'm the producer, director, and editor of the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how are you doing? I'm good. Good. Thank so you. how are things going at Mr. Gaddy's? It's going good. We uh, definitely are in a full summer swing, kind of got our rhythm going, and um, we're just waiting on the heat. You know, uh, everybody right now is still at the lake and hanging out, but it'll hit 100 pretty soon, and they'll, <laughs> all, right. they'll all start coming inside and getting air conditioned. That's right, and playing your games, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, any major issues that have happened? No, not, not. We've had a, our game room has held up pretty steadily, so we've been pretty, pretty pleased. But my boss did announce that maybe the next auction, not the one in July, he would maybe we could go to it and start looking for maybe. Uh, something new for next year so i'm looking or a different game i'm looking forward to doing that yeah and you see guys part of being an operator is making sure that you swap out your games periodically because your regular customers will get tired of your selection after a while right eventually yeah exactly so even if you have the latest and greatest they're always looking for something new something different even if it's a couple years old tim as long as it's something different it gives your customers your clientele something else to come in and try right right so, uh, well, hope that sounds exciting. Hopefully, uh, we'll find out more about that when it gets a little bit closer. But you also have a big announcement about um, a food truck, right? Yes, we we did. Uh, we'll talk about it in uh, later in the show. But we did purchase a food truck, and uh, we're in the process of getting it ready, you know, inspected and everything ready to use soon. Sounds good. Well, we want to we want to hear all about that, but that will be in the after show. So make sure you stay tuned till after the main show if you want to hear more about the food truck. But guys, we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. We know it's a holiday weekend, Tim. We may not ha- or week, I should say. We may not have the normal attendance that we have here for the live show, but we want to we want to thank everybody who is in the live chat with us tonight for being here and watching the show with us. Tim, we have got Scott and he says, just like the old days, rushing home to watch my favorite TV show. Makes wow. me feel special right there. I would say same bad time, same bad channel, but it doesn't right. really apply because we're a day early. So anyway, <laughs> but most of the time, Thursday, first Thursday night of the month, tonight, first Wednesday night of the month. So let's see. We've got Matthew here. He says, greetings from New Hampshire. Oh, so hello, Matthew. Go. We got somebody from there. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Michael says hello. Hello, Michael. So, and I know we had some audio issues, guys. So uh, hopefully we got all that taken care of. Hopefully you guys can hear us now. <laughs> um, I think you can. I'm looking at the audio levels and everything looks good. So hopefully you can hear us. Uh, Michael's here. He says, love this show. So right. we got a lot of you guys here. So remember that you can interact with us during the show in the live chat. Leave your comments, your questions, whatever you have for me and Tim will be happy to address those as the show progresses. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, Mr. Dwayne is here, Tim. He says, I'm here live this week. Oh, so there we go. Always good to have you here as well, Mr. Dwayne. So 
Uh, Tim, we got a lively live chat, it sounds like. And, of course, our moderator, Louie, is here as well. Also hey, one of Louis. our Facebook mm-hmm. contributors. So we want to thank Louie for being here and moderating your comments. So if you guys get a little out of hand, Louie has the band hammer. <laughs> we can do some other things in order to keep you guys in line. So thanks for being here as well, Louie. So, okay, Tim. Oh, it looks like we have a question here in the live chat before we start with our normal questions. Okay. So, um, Michael Bloom says, I played an Afterburner Climax a couple of weeks ago. Fantastic update to an absolute classic. Even moves like the Afterburner Deluxe 2. May want to look at that one. Now, Tim, you used to have an Afterburner Climax at your Chuck E. Cheese location when you were with them, correct? Yes, and I'm not sure which version you're talking about. One, The one we had was huge. Right. And uh, the only problem that I had with it was the actuators that made it move uh, tended to go out pretty frequently, So, and they were very so expensive. So was it hydraulic, or was it robotic arm? It has uh, two hydraulics, like in the back, that are controlled by a motor, or what they call a servo motor. And uh, so it kind of moves like this, and up and down, and gives you that, like your flying feeling. Uh, the only problem I have with anything is that it's got that four-letter word <laughs> that costs it. a lot of money every time you needed a part for it. Sure, uh, that would be one thing that would shy would shy me away from it, just because the replacement parts are ridiculous. Really? So, uh, give us an example of what it costs. Like that servo motor that went out every year. Now, was, this is just a normal servo motor, right? Yeah, like nothing special. No, nothing special about it, but from them, it was probably thirteen hundred dollars. Whoa, goodness! So, that's know, that's Sega, right? Like a car engine or a <laughs> servo motor. Yeah. You, know. you could actually soup up your 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 afterburner climax with a car, <laughs> a car engine, engine for, the, for cheaper, almost. So. I just yeah, that's one thing about a Sega game that that we've talked about in the in the past that I, as an operator, they do get quite expensive with their parts, and they need to do something about that to really encourage me to want to buy more. How many Sega games do you have right now? I know you've got at least one. That I can think of. Which game is that? Oh, maybe maybe you don't. It is um, cause you have um what's the zombie one that you guys have? Oh Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. But that's not a Sega, is it? Yeah, Raw Thrills. Yeah, Raw Thrills. It's but it always reminds me of like a House of the Dead, I guess. Yeah. Close. So maybe you don't have a Sega game. I can't think of one offhand. That doesn't mean we don't have one. Gotcha. So don't think so. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Um Danny says, Good to see you guys. Happy July fourth. Hey Danny. So we got that. Um Tony says, Hey. That's always good. Um, let's see. TXJYT says, The problem I have seen with the auctions lately is that the prices have been going up so much because of all the barcades buying stock. They generally have more money to spend on these games than the private collector. What are your thoughts? And I think that has a lot to do with it, Tim. We've talked about that in previous live show episodes, mm-hmm. that barcades, more barcades opening is good in one way, but it does drive the prices of the games up as well. Right. For the average home collector... Uh, but one thing, you know, Johnson, we always like to use, uh, like to do, we like to go to a game auction and find some that weren't working. Because right. we knew they would go cheaper, and as long as they were complete, we always enjoyed fixing them. So that's something that we uh, had the website for in this pa- this channel, so that you can have a, a little bit of ability, and that will save you some money by bra- buying them not working and then fixing them yourself. Yeah, and I think with the barcades, Tim, a lot of times they're buying games that they want to be able to just put right in because right. they want to start earning money off of them. That may not be true of all barcade owners, but I would think the vast majority of barcade owners are probably looking for something that's drop-in ready that can start basically being played at their location right. immediately. But at the same time, you got to look <laughs> at it this way. Uh, we're probably We could end up taking a game and selling it to offset our cost, same way with you. If you've got a game that you've restored or it looks good, it's probably going to bring a pretty good price. 
So it kind of balances out. If you're taking a game to sell and you can sell it for a good price, then you might pay more for something else. For instance, if you had a Donkey Kong, but you went home with a Joust, maybe you would even break even or be really close. Uh, so that might be something you might be interested in or might consider. Sure. Um, Michael, I guess the Michael that visited you at Mr. Gaddy's, right? Yeah, he says you have so. no second games. So. No second games. <clears throat> so there you go. Probably so, not. And I was about to say, it's probably a good thing, huh? Right. At this point. Now, there's a lot of great Sega games. Yeah, right? don't get mention. me wrong. They are. They are my... Let's Go Jungle's really fun. I mm -hmm. mean, Afterburner Climax, I like to play. Um, the Wave Runner style games are still really fun, Tim. Mm -hmm. um, I was trying to think of what else Sega makes recently that I can think of besides those. Is there anything else? Am I missing something? Uh, what's Luigi's Mansion? Is that a Sega? Or is that a Rothrells? I think that's a Sega game. It is because they've got the parts from... From Lady from overseas gotcha. so maybe okay. I'd have to remember I'd have to re test my brain power too sure. early in the show <laughs> Sorry. gotta ask me later there in you the go. middle or something but Sega does put out a lot of quality games it's just that like you said parts are kind of expensive and sometimes Tim they can be a bear as far as repair because they do things a little bit different than other manufacturers sometimes right. they don't always adhere to standards that other manufacturers adhere to right and it, I, it's just a personal preference I'm just saying from my experience you know, like the seat on a Wave Runner was eight hundred dollars. Sure. Well, I mean, I took mine and got it reupholstered for thirty-five dollars. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, if you want those OEM parts, they they really are a little on the extra expensive side. Just the same way when you go to buy a car, somebody would tell you, "Oh, well, I bought that car. Don't buy it because every time I needed a part for it." It was extremely expensive, you know. Maybe you bought a Jaguar or yeah, something because it looked really cool, but every part you needed for it was really expensive, uh, as compared to a Chevy or Ford or something. So, or even a, a Honda or something, you know. So that would—that's just my personal opinion on Sega games. I just think their parts are outrageous. There you go. So, Tim, it sounds like we're caught up on the live chat. Now, remember, okay. you guys can continue to interact with the show uh, by leaving your comments and questions right there, and we'll continue to get to them as we go through. But, Tim, we do have several questions we have already received and that we're going to answer tonight. So let's go over some of the ones we've gotten. And this first one here, Tim, is from Minda. And Minda says, Hi, we have a Roadburners arcade that has the Acer flat screen monitor in it and a converter board already. We just bought it this way. Here's the problem. The screen comes on and says Acer, then flashes no signal. The converter board doesn't light up, and the rest of the boards don't either except when turning off. The fan in the, in the power supply box does not turn on either. So I guess my question is, could it be a, a bad power supply causing this? If not, what would y'all suggest? Thank you a bunch. Now, Tim, I'm assuming that Minda's from the South because she threw a y'all in there. Yeah. Uh, maybe okay. not. Is that <laughs> is that maybe that has progressed to northern vernacular? I don't know. But y'all is much. obviously something we like to she say here. She didn't say you guys. She did not say you guys. Okay. That is correct. So Minda has a Roadburners, Tim, which is a fairly newer style right. driving game, if you're familiar with it. I've and it sounds it. like somebody has taken the traditional CRT that's in it, replaced it with an Acer, just maybe off-the-shelf monitor. Mm -hmm. And the only thing she gets on it basically is no signal. Now, she checked her power supply, and, there, and there's a, the fan is not running in the power supply. Right. So, with all of that information, what do you think is going on here with Minda's road burners? Well, just from what she said, she asked the question, could a bad power supply ca cause this? And the answer, of course, is yes. Right. It definitely could. In fact, uh, if you're not getting a signal to the, to the monitor, it will shut down after a minute. And so, what produces signal? Well, right. it comes through your board... And if your board's not getting power, then it's not going to work. So I would definitely start with the switching power supply 
and seeing what's going on with that. And if you have an ATX style power supply, which are typically the ones with the fans installed, if your fan's not working, usually that's a good indication that the power supply is close to going out. Yeah. Uh, it, it seems like everyone I've seen where the fan would stop working, you start having issues with it shortly after. Maybe, I mean, and I say shortly, it could be a year or two, but once that fan goes out, it seems like the heat just tends to build up in those power supplies and really cause havoc on those. And lines. this will probably be a good time for a tech tip. Every month when we clean, we clean our power supplies every month. Yes. And, and every game. And what we do is we usually put something in there and stop the fan with the game off from spinning. Uh, and we blow it out real good, and give you, I'll see a lot of them have a lot of dust and stuff on them. Um, think about dust and the weight of a, the dust as it, it goes around. There's bearings and stuff in there. Once that fan goes out, uh, you, we can start. If the fan is out, most of the time we just replace the fan. But sure. if we don't have a fan, it's a good time to go ahead and start thinking about another power supply because games are so hot anyway, and inside of there, it's just really... Uh, going to do a lot of damage to those electronics in a very short amount of time. And I see a lot of classic games where the fan has not worked in a long time. Uh, you're kind of just a time bomb waiting to happen. It will happen soon. So that's a great thing to do. When you open up your game and you're working on it, um, you know, we don't talk a lot. Maybe we'll do a tech tip sometime on just preventive maintenance uh, because that's very important, even though you don't need maybe not necessarily do it once a month because your game's not getting to play, or maybe you do play it a lot, maybe you should do it once a month, or it's just not in the environment. But every so every six months or so, you should be cleaning those, blowing out those power supplies and stuff, and that's going to help your equipment last and run a lot longer. Sounds good, Tim. And so I'm going to go ahead and throw out the slide here we have for Minda, and kind of like what you said, Tim. Yes, it definitely sounds like you're having a power supply issue. From your description, it would seem that you're not getting DC voltage from your switching power supply to both the main game board and possibly the converter board that's required to run properly. Uh, try turning your game on and checking the switching power supply with a multimeter. See our post on checking or replacing a power supply for more information. Now, if you have an ATX-style power supply, you will need to check your voltage at the output connector. Tim, we talked about this before. Um, there's a, usually an output Molex connector that right. comes from the power supply. The red is usually the 5 volts, you know, and then, like, uh, what is it? The yellow is the 12 volts, and then the blacks are your grounds. I mean, this is pretty common. And so, um, and so you will need to check it that way by inserting the probes of your multimeter into the correct connectors in order to check your power supply. Um, but, you know, those are pretty much, I mean, if you do that and it's not getting any voltage, then you probably just need to replace your power supply, right, Tim? Probably so. So it sounds good. So, Minda, hopefully that answers your question, and good luck getting your road burners back up and running. Okay, Tim, we have a couple of questions here in the live chat. Matthew says, um, hey, guys, what is your experience or thoughts on the universal monitor chassis? Well, we personally, um, like as collectors, haven't bought many, but I do know as an operator, we've had to purchase some before because we couldn't find anything that would sure. fit. And the experience has been pretty positive so far. Um, you know, with a few little hitches or seems like one monitor, we never could quite get uh, had a little curl on it or something, but it was kind of like, oh, okay, it works. We left it alone. Uh, so overall, pretty positive, but, uh, you know, we knew how to read the impedance and stuff like that to give them all the information that they needed to build it correctly for what you pay for. Hmm. Now, having said that, there has been a couple times that we've taken them out of games and just went in and replaced the whole monitor. Um, so... It worked for a time and for the to get the game up and going pretty quickly and stuff. Um, I would kind of keep a couple on my shelf 
uh, to have. Like, it'd be nice to have one if you're having a party or something. It, you know, the monitor's always going to go out the night before your Halloween party <laughs> or whatever. Right. <laughs> so you could easily get something fixed or going. But as a long-term fix, in my opinion, I would go back to a, an original monitor or getting it repaired or rebuilt. I think it's okay in the temporary uh, kind of run. I don't know well, how well it, they're going to hold up. He says he has a D9200, but he doesn't have the chassis for it. So right. that's what he wants to use. That's the tube he wants to right. use. Right. He it. has a tube with no chassis. Well, right. then you're not, you don't really have a lot of choices either unless right. you find a, a D92. One, D92. Now, here's the deal about D92s, though. There's probably a lot of people who have broken ones lying around. Right. It seems like. Because D92, or it seems like that's one of those chassis that people have sitting around. It's a very popular model of Wells Garner monitor. So you may check in some of the arcade forums to see if you can find somebody who has a replacement D9200 chassis. Because mm -hmm. like I said, it was a very popular model. So there's probably tons of them out there if you ask around. Right. Uh, I mean... I, we may even have one somewhere if I looked around. I mean, yeah, back in probably so. Storage, so, but um, I, if you want to check in some of the arcade forums that we have on like our website, then you could do that. If not, the Universal Chassis is a good way to go. Like Tim mentioned, I mean, it, it's a good, it's kind of a temporary fix in a way, but it will at least get you a little bit of extra life out of that. He says the tube looks really great, so if your tube looks great, it's definitely worth a shot to do that. Yeah, I think so. Okay, let's see what else we have. JR's Vintage Toys and More, great show, guys. I have a question. How much does it uh, does it affect the price of a restored game if it's been restored uh, in the wrong cabinet, in your opinion? So if it's been restored in the wrong cabinet. So if you, I guess, like if you had a Galaga, but it wasn't in a Galaga cabinet, but it was fully restored? I think to a true collector, it should greatly affect the price. Right. I mean, but to like, like a normal home guy, man cave guy who just wants to get like one game or two games? Yeah, or they don't even remember the name of that game. Right. Kind of guy. It started with a G. Yeah, it started with a G. You had shot some things. Ships. Yeah. yeah, it had some ships. I think you have plenty of those people around, so I think... But to most average, to the even the average collector, I would think it would greatly affect the price. I mean, yeah. if we um, what we like to do is we used to like when we'd find a Galaga, for instance, seems like we could find those in a different cabinet sometimes. Sure, kind of like in a Dynamo cabinet or something. We were always still be excited because it was Galaga, because then we could we would put it in a game like this and get this one running, you know. But we always kind of took it out. Because to us, it just the artwork didn't fit. Just wasn't just not the same. And I think any classic car or whatever, if you're running, uh, you're putting a Dodge engine inside a Chevy. I think it's definitely going to affect the price if it's not original. Sure, exactly. And I, I'm with you, Tim. I mean, to a collector, it definitely makes a difference. Now, to your average home buyer, right. it may not make much of a difference. That guy who wants Galaga, he doesn't necessarily care what cabinet it's in. Yeah, but maybe think, not even a barcade or something where the people just want to play it. Exactly, but in in a collector market, Tim, it will definitely affect the pricing because collectors are looking for things right. that are what they remember. They I remember think the about those auction that. days where you'd see four, five, six, seven of them in a row, and then in the middle there'd be that one that was kind of off. It would always bring half yes, the price or true. less. That's right. So, oh, any sales, JR is also saying, any sales coming up on the DVD collection? So, probably not, but I will say that we did get some more Volume 4s in. So, mm -hmm. if you want to purchase a Volume 4 DVD, we actually have them in stock again. So, you can buy them on the website. little plug. We may have a sale. I don't know. We may mm -hmm. randomly do it. I don't know. We'll figure it out. So, <laughs> There's no 4th of July sale, no obviously. No 4th of July sale. So, there you go. I'm sorry about that. Uh, let's see what else we have. Oh, Louis uh, chimed in with Universal Chassis. He said he used them. They work well most of the time. Sometimes they flake out. Just make sure that you test the ohms of your current monitor. And that's, I mean, we couldn't have said any better better than that, right? Right. So that's bas basically what it comes down to. 
yeah, and you see, Michael, make sure to have the yoke resistances are compatible. That's very important. So yeah. now here's the deal. The universal chassis is made to work with a variety of yokes so in monitor, in monitor mm -hmm. tubes. So it works with the vast majority, but you do need to test to make sure that yours is in range. That is exactly. important. So uh, Tech's uh, JYT just gave us some money. Hey. Hey, thank you. Another great show. That's what I'm talking about. We're only like, what? How long are we? 20 minutes into this one? Oh, okay. Only 20 minutes in. He's already paid us. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you so much, T uh, Tex JYT. We appreciate it. And guys, if you guys feel so compelled, there's a little dollar icon on your live chat that you guys can click and donate money to our show. We appreciate all of the money donations. We thank you guys so much for that. All the money goes to paying for... I don't, uh, web hosting and, and Tim shirts and <laughs> all sorts of other things. So, uh, equipment uh, may go that. into our, uh, stock, uh, losses That's uh, right. that help make us feel better. We'll get into that later. Yeah, we lost some money in the stock market. We'll talk about that in the after show. But anyway, let us continue on. Paul Jure is here. Hey, hey Paul, Paul, how's it going? Glad to have you here tonight. Let's see. Mr. Dwayne. Hey, for Father's Day, my wife and kids got me an arcade one-up centipede. Some of the Walmarts here in Ohio have them for $75. That is wow. correct. So a lot of stores are clearancing out the Centipede and the Asteroids models. We talked about this, Tim, last right. time because I picked up an Asteroids for $75. Wow. And, Tim, I sent you a picture, and maybe I can post it here in a little bit, of um, the same one other Walmart had a just stack of them for $150. Right. They had the Street Fighter. They had the Asteroids. And I think those are the only ones they had for $150. Right. So, Which but, is not I mean, bad. No. So, I mean, there are clearances going on, guys. If you're interested in getting an arcade one up, then now is a good time to do it. Uh, check your local store. Tim, BrickSeek.com is a great resource for checking stock at your local stores. BrickSeek.com. And mm -hmm. it was initially made to find Lego uh, Lego sets because okay. Lego sets are hard to find. That's why it's BrickSeek. Gotcha. But um, it, it will help you with that. But um, if you're looking for some, check that out. So let's see what else we got here. Matthew says... Um, awesome info. So that's when we answered his questions. This is awesome. Okay. Thanks, guys, for that. Danny says, I was wondering if you guys thought buying arcade that's not an original and turning it back to original, I know some are expensive to do that. Yes. Yeah, so here's the thing. We always encourage people to take it back to original if possible. Right. But you are going to incur quite a bit of cost to do that. Right. Don't expect to get filthy rich off of it. Exactly. So uh, sometimes, in fact, it may cost you more to do that than just to, you know, just to sell it as is right. because of the restoration cost. If you need artwork, if you need, maybe it has a bootleg board set, maybe you need an original board set, you know, I mean, so those things can start getting really pricey really quickly if you're not careful. And so we'd recommend doing that if it's something that you love and something you want to keep. So if it's a game that you're like, I'm never going to get rid of this game. I want to keep it in my collection forever. And it's, you know, I have this Galaga that was turned into a Raiden 2. And I want to turn it back into a Galaga. And you want to keep it forever. I would definitely say go ahead and do that. Um, for some games, though, depending on what the resale value is of the game, it may not be worth the rest restoration cost. Except in sentimental value. Right. So that's something to keep in mind. By all means, we would prefer that it happen. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So, I mean, you know, if you want to, if you just want to... You know, put a game in something. There's a lot of generic cabinets that you can put a game in. We'd always like to see games go back to what they originally were. You know, and I know a lot of operators were guilty of painting over the side art, putting new boards in games and stuff like that. But we found with uh, with products like Citra Strip that you can take it back to the original artwork. You can uh, you can really um, you can really do a lot of things to restore those cabinets back to original condition. It's really really great stuff. So yes, but it will take time and it will take money. So mm -hmm. yeah, what's that? Uh, yeah, there's a song about that. Anyway, we'll continue on. Uh, let us go here. Paul said, I had a chassis come in this week, um, all blackened and burnt, turned out to be mouse poop and pee all over the board. Yeah. 
Been that plenty nasty. Of yes, we have. Oh. <laughs> so um, obviously, guys, sometimes these things sit in barns for a while. Right. And sometimes they don't end up in the best of shape. Yeah, they so, like to collect. They attract, I think, those type of rodents. And yeah. Stuff. So um, always be careful. And that goes back to what we were talking about last. If you watched the after show of the last episode, we talked about the guy who accidentally touched the LSD on the on the mixing right. board. Use gloves right, whenever you're yeah. working with old arcade cabinets and For boards sure. and stuff. It's just a good idea. Uh, let's see what else. Okay, I think we're caught up, Tim, with the live chat. All right. So we will back move to the on. Yes, and back to the questions. The next one we have is from Tony. And Tony says, good afternoon. I just bought a Gauntlet Dark Legacy and it didn't have the monitor or chassis. What can I do to bring this arcade back to life? Thank you, Tony. Now, Tim, this is a little bit different than what we had earlier uh, with Matthew. He wanted to do the universal chassis, right? right? Um, well, Tony doesn't have a, a two-board chassis. Okay. He's missing, like, the complete monitor package, okay? Right. So he has no monitor whatsoever. Right. So what are some options here for Tony that he can do in order to get his Gauntlet Dark Legacy back well, up if he's running. got a couple kids and they're good with puppets, oh, they, they can kind of come up from the bottom and uh, have a gauntlet war. There you um, go. But for the most part, you're going to need to buy or purchase a monitor. And um, you can purchase them on like eBay and stuff still. But Hat, Betson, um, and places like that sell a brand new 27-inch CRT if you can find it. If not, you can go with the LCD Usually it's a 26 inch. Uh, you're going to need to kind of make some kind of bezel or have a bezel made. So uh, there are bezels made for some cabinets. Right. We should say that. And and you may be able to um, purchase. So they have some that have are like oversized that you can cut down. Uh-huh. And so you may have to get something like that when you order your LCD monitor in order to get. So to finding a monitor is not impossible. Then you're going to have to hook it up, but. The bezel part, to me, is always a little tricky. Agreed. And so that's one thing that we would throw out there, that you're going to have to get a bezel, cut it down, or find one that fits that monitor. And then it's just a matter of hooking it up, and we have some videos on that, so hopefully that would help you. And we also have one on installing a monitor, though you can see kind of how we did it. A lot of times, well, many times, uh, hopefully the brackets are still in there, though. Yes. Because that really helps having brackets. Because otherwise you're going to have to build a, you're going to have to install brackets or build a shelf or you're going to have to do something. And we've had to do that plenty of times ourselves. So uh, one of the questions I would ask you is, does it have the brackets that are there? Because that definitely helps you. But a lot of the newer LCDs all come with brackets and stuff like that. So... That might be a route that you would choose, but um, you're going to need to put another monitor in there. Now, don't just think any TV or something like that is going to work. You need to buy an original arcade, one made for arcade games. Yeah, and that's, Tim, I think that's the biggest thing here. I mean, look, I know a lot of you guys put TV screens in them with converter boards, kind of like our first question, Tim, mm-hmm. from Minda. That's okay. It works. It's great for home use, but, I mean, if you're using it in a, conver- in a commercial environment, you really need a commercial-grade right. arcade-quality LCD because, you know, it just makes life so much simpler as far as mount. Excuse me, as far as mounting, as far as wiring up, as right. far as everything, basically. You don't have to rig it to come on with the game, any exactly. of that kind of stuff. So um, there's a lot of benefits to buying an arcade-grade, commercial-quality LCD, for sure. Exactly. So, um, But anyway, like you said, Tim, let's go ahead and show the slide here. Sounds like he needs to install a monitor in his cabinet. Okay, so you have some options for that. Now, Suzo Hap, Betson, and some of our other arcade... Part suppliers still sell the 27-inch CRTs, Tim. Right. Um, the most popular one is the Mac Vision, right. which I know Tim is very familiar with. Um, and Tim, this if he has a dedicated Dark Legacy, then it that's basically the size it had in it. 
Okay. Like 27 inch CRT. So basically, if he has the brackets and everything still in there, he could probably drop in one of these 27 inch CRTs. Now, the thing about it is, Tim, is that the CRTs are now more expensive than the LCDs. It wow. used to be the other way, right? right? Like, it used to be the CRTs were cheaper, the LCDs were more expensive. Right. But now it seems like we flip flopped. You can get the 26 inch LCD cheaper than you can get the 27 inch CRT. Wow. Okay, and, and from my research. Right. So that's something to keep in mind. So, I mean, if you want to go the original route and you already have the brackets in there for the original CRT, it may be better to stick with that. But otherwise, you may consider the LCD. It's, it's, an, it's a route for you to go as well. But like Tim mentioned, open frame, commercial grade, arcade quality LCD is what you want. Okay, you can, you know... Because otherwise, you're going to be messing with converter boards. You're going to be trying to figure out how to get the monitor to come on. You're going to be doing a lot of stuff that is just a whole lot of extra work, Tim. And, exactly. you know, that's why having something that's made to go in an arcade game makes the process so much simpler for you. So, Tony, hopefully answers your question. And good luck installing a monitor into your Gauntlet Dark Legacy cabinet. Okay, Tim, we got a couple more here. Michael says, Arcade 1-Up and MAME in general, I have never seen a vector game look even close to as good as a raster uh, raster monitor have y'all no no so and it won't because vector monitors were designed to display lines and points in a certain way right that very bright that very you know almost luminescent style mm -hmm. that you almost get with like a black light and like neon colors it, right. it kind of reminds me of how much it pops but you know roster monitors weren't designed to display those type of you know lines and points and things like that and so you it's really hard to recreate a vector game on a roster monitor and get the same pop out of it i agree mm -hmm. so and, and it's not arcade one up's fault it's just the nature of the beast if you're yeah. gonna put an lcd in one it's not a vector monitor it's just not gonna pop like an original vector monitor would so, so i need to make a new vector monitor yeah an lcd style vector monitor right cool. exactly so i'm sure i'm sure it's worked somebody's probably working on it mm -hmm. Uh, JR Toys and More, I've got several games that have switching power supplies in them. I've noticed they all still have the original in them, but the new one seems to be wired through the old one. Why is this? Because it's easier. Right. It's easier to leave all the stuff in there. Right. <laughs> I was going to say another word. Yeah. But um, it's easier to leave all the stuff in there and just wire up the switching power supply. I mean, here's the thing. If you have that game on location... You have to physically pull all that stuff out of the bottom of the game right. and then install the new stuff. It's way easier just to put the switching power supply in there and wire it all up. Stick robot. around. I think we got a question coming up. Oh, that's do we? Gonna be, yeah, it's going to be, yeah, it talks about a, uh, a step-down transformer. Oh, I think you're right. Okay. That may be similar to this situation we'll talk about here soon. Look who looked at his outline this month. <laughs> Man, I, I, I totally forgot about that. We're getting into that. But yes, it, it was just easier to leave the stuff in there. That's yeah. why. Um, and operators are lazy yeah. by nature, and so they want to get things working. So, um, guys, I know well, some of you guys are collector repairers, which means that you repair things to collect. So you fix it, you fix it like Ocean and fix it for good, like we right. say here in Texas. But if you're an operator, it's all about getting it up quick and making money. Right. And so some of the fixes that we did as operators are a lot different than the fixes that you do as collectors. And you always Guaranteed. have to remember that. And so, yes, a collector in a collector repair type you know, format, you'd want to remove the old power supply and put a switching power supply in there. In a operator-style format, you just leave it in there and then just get it working. Right. So it's a big difference. Uh, let's see. Have we got that? Oh. Oh, somebody, I, I see somebody mentioned a Tony. Oh, Tony. Oh, he's talking to Tony that we just, I, if you're located near Ohio, I may have a 27-inch CRT if you're interested. So JR's Vintage Toys and More on YouTube says if you're located in the Ohio area, Tony, he may have a 27-inch CRT for your Gauntlet Dark Legacy. There you go. Uh -huh. People helping people. Community right. members uh -huh. helping community members. We love it. 
So there you go. JR, that's awesome for offering that up. If uh, we'll, Maybe we'll check with Tony and we'll see. If you're watching this, Tony, uh, get with JR's Vintage Toys and More on YouTube. <laughs> if you're in the Ohio area, maybe he can hook you up with a 27-inch monitor. Okay, Tim, we are caught up, so let us move on here to Seng. And he says, I just watched your video on checking a classic power supply and step-down transformers. My Street Fighter 2 has an AC power, or has AC power going into a circuit board, into a into, into one step-down transformer and into a power supply. So what you're saying is that there's no need for both. If I have the power supply, there's no need for a step-down transformer. Now, Tim, so what I'm taking this mm -hmm. as is that Singh probably has the setup like JR's talking about, right. like where he's got all of that in there. And so what he's asking is that if I already have a switching power supply in my game and that's what's wired up to the board, do I need the step-down transformer as well? And the truth, the truth is no. You don't need uh, to run double power or uh, to go through two, two things of power. Sure. Um, if you got your AC filter already, you don't need that. Uh, the, so that's the, the question is, oh, make sure it's the step-down transformer, not the isolation transformer. Correct. Two different things. Absolutely. You might need the isolation transformer if you run an older-style monitor. Now, if it's an LCD, you, you wouldn't need it either. Right. You would need so, no transformers. Right. Anything. You need no transformers. So, um, but but the simple question, the simple answer to what he asked is true. You don't need both. Right. But you see, like we said... But yeah. a lot of times you see both, and does it necessarily hurt everything? Uh, I mean, plenty of games will operate with them. They just kind of connect into the lines that are already there. But uh, if to me, if what if something fails and could cause a chain reaction or something? You're better to simplify. And I just like simple... I don't like to look in a cabinet and see all kinds of... what looks like a rat's nest down there. Agreed. Because they may slide the build in there if they see what already, <laughs> already looks at home. So, um, you know, by all means, if you don't need some stuff, I like to take it out. Yeah, and, and Tim, get rid of it. And, and I think the biggest thing is that uh, a lot of times, like if we were doing a conversion on a mispack, for instance, what would we do? We would clip the top of the step-down transformer and then attach those to the switching power supply. That's right. what we do. And so your step-down transformer probably doesn't even have output wires coming from it at this point if you've already got a switching power supply in there. Probably but not. you do want to double-check that and make sure that that is the case before you start taking things out and cutting things and all that kind of stuff. So let's go ahead and show the slide here, Tim. Correct. You should not need a step-down transformer to run your Street Fighter 2 arcade board, just a switching power supply. Since Street Fighter 2 boards were installed in so many different cabinets, including Ms. Pac-Man's, and we've seen that before, this step-down transformer is probably a relic left over from the game that was originally installed in your cabinet. Now, make sure that you don't mistake the isolation transformer for a step-down transformer, like Tim mentioned. Uh, many monitors require an isolation transformer to work properly, so check the power wiring to your monitor before removing anything. Right. Is that pretty good? Yeah, I would say pre-2000, you're guaranteed you're going to need that isolation transformer. Absolutely. And if you have a CRT monitor, there's a really good chance good that chance. you're going to need an isolation transformer. Not all CRTs needed it. There right. was a lot of chassis that had um, the isolation built into the actual chassis, which is nice. But the vast majority of CRT monitors did require an isolation transformer. So make sure you're taking out the step-down transformer and not the isolation transformer. Right. It's usually good. the smaller one. That's right. Usually one. the smaller one of the two is the isolation transformer. That's a good point, Tim. So it just depends on the cabinet and what kind of step-down transformers you have and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to take a drink. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Okay, so, Tim, I don't see anything else in the live chat. Okay. So we will continue on here. And the next question is from Nick. Okay. Hey, Nick. And Nick says, greetings. Your videos are great and extremely easy to follow. That was the point. <laughs> <laughs> that is the point, right? A couple of questions concerning the 60-in-1 upgrade multi-k tutorial. 
Jamaboards.com is no longer in business. Are you aware of this, Tim? I didn't. I didn't. I, when I read that, I was like, I think they are out of business. They, they have are. been out of business. Yes. Okay. Can you provide an updated parts list and where to find them on the internet so I can mirror your install? It seems you have the best combination of parts. If only you could provide the info on where to get them. Thanks again. Yes, Jamma Board shut down when their owner passed away. Right. And I, I think remember the, that. the wife um, kept it running for a little bit and then decided to shut it down. Mm -hmm. And that was just a really sad thing uh, yeah. because we had bought that kit and it worked really well. But the nice thing is that there are several other places that have, have basically put together the right. same kind of kit, right? Yes, yeah, so there's different kits that you can buy now from different vendors. And so. I guess without any further ado, we can go on into so the, let's go ahead the vendors and show, are. Yeah, we'll share our research I know here. it's Mike's Arcade is one of them, right? Right. So, yes, this is correct. Unfortunately, Jamaboards.com is no longer in business, but there are several other suppliers that sell part the parts needed to complete this conversion. In fact, Mike's Arcade.com, Tim, which we have recommended in the past, is one of our preferred parts suppliers, sells a kit that pretty much does the same thing as the original Jamboards kit that we used in the video. And Tim, the very top picture there is right. a picture of the kit. The only difference between this kit and the Jamboards kit is that the Jamboards kit came with an ATX style power supply. This one comes with a standard switching style power supply, okay. like a standard looking switching power supply, which to be honest with you, I kind of prefer. Right. Uh, but it will be a little bit different because of that. But Tim, the nice thing is it looks like they already have the wires hooked up to yeah to the power supply so all you have to do is plug those in directly to the board and then the splicing uh connectors uh -huh. are the same oh nice. so pretty much it's the same okay, okay. as what you would get with like our video so so i mean if you're looking for a drop-in solution nick that's just like the jamboard solution mikesarcade.com has you covered now with that said really the biggest part of this tim is the adapter right the the miss pac-man pac-man uh cabinet to jam a pcb adapter hot rod arcade mike's arcade and arcade shop sell the adapter by itself and then all you need is a power supply and a 16-1 board so i mean if you want to put together your own kit maybe right. a little bit cheaper and i think i think uh arcade shop sells it in different pieces like you can yes. get it all together or you can get just the jam just the board right or i think so that may be a good place to kind of depending on what you need yeah and hot rod arcade and arcade shop and mike's arcade.com are all preferred part sellers of ours right. all places that we have ordered from many many times and tim we ordered from arcade shop back when they had the old website they right. got a new website now it looks oh, really wow. nice but I need to um, check that out, yeah but um i mean you know you can get like i said this the adapter and louis actually linked to um, paradise arcade shop has the adapter as well okay which is another preferred vendor so i mean you can get the adapters now from pretty much anywhere um, but if you're looking for a drop-in style kit that you just buy it once and have everything ready, Mike'sArcade.com has the kit. I so, might have even ordered from Arcade Shop before there was a website. That's true. Yeah, so. <laughs> we, aren't, we used to put in the email. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you had to send an email in. Yeah, we'd send the emails in. So, um, but uh, yeah, so <clears> just like just like Bob Roberts. Right. So there you go. But uh, Arcade Shop, Mike's Arcade, Hot Rod Arcade, Paradise Arcade Shop, all of those places can hook you up with the adapter. But Mike's Arcade will also hook you up with the rest of the kit as well. So try that out. Let us know how it goes. If you have any questions after you get that kit and you need some help with installing it, let us know. So before we go on, I should just say that the game room is looking cleaner. Yeah, I moved some games <laughs> yesterday, and uh, the game room actually looks semi-presentable because we have some family coming in for the 410. Well, and uh, we usually have a good job. Yeah, we haven't had family coming in a while, like to visit. And anytime you know family comes, in, I don't want to go to the game room. So you know, I have <laughs> to get all that ready. But um, so it's looking semi-presentable in here. Hopefully, I can make it more presentable as the day goes on and all that kind of stuff. So tonight, but um, you know, just a couple little things to pick up here and there. But it's actually looking quite nice. I will yeah. say. 
So I need to put. I've got two arcade one up cabinets there, just sitting in boxes that I need I to put together. I, I've got the twelve in one right here. You guys can't see it, but um, uh, hopefully I can get the other ones put together soon. So let us continue on here. You're not gonna pull an all nighter tonight and get them ready for the party tomorrow. No. <laughs> They're gonna send boxes over there and nope, no, no all nighters. I'm too old for, for those kids to get old enough that they right. can learn some valuable exactly. lessons. I, I'm too old for all nighters. So. <laughs> You know how yeah, wait till Christmas time comes. That's right. So okay. So Tim, the next one we have here is from Gary. And Gary says, I have inherited about seventy-five monitors and most are without their chassis or flybacks attached. We need to buy our storage unit. <laughs> yeah, need to buy a storage unit. Right? He, he bought our storage unit. <laughs> oh, he, oh yeah, he bought all of our old monitors, probably. How can I figure out which chassis goes with which monitor so I can begin testing them? Thanks for your help. Now, Tim, obviously this is a pretty daunting task, right? It is. Seventy five monitors. Yeah, I think eventually you kind of start learning by the looks of it, but it's real simple. The first thing you're looking for, the neck board doesn't go on, you got to stop right there. You know, it's if like, the neck board doesn't fit, you must, you must quit. quit. Right. <laughs> so uh, that, there's one one obvious thing. If it's right. got more pins and you have holes and you don't, <laughs> yeah. uh, just the way wrong, you, say, just the way you said that. Okay, more pins than you have holes. Well, there you go. <laughs> you can't use that. Um, so that'll stop you. Um, then you have to start, Sorry. but, but you know, there are good resources like, uh, Bob Roberts and stuff where you can go and what is my monitor? Uh, but boy, that is tough when they're all the chassis are off. Um, uh, so a lot of it's, you got to learn how to read the yoke resistance and things like that to make sure then you'll, once you get it down though, you'll have it pretty I think you'll you'll run through it pretty quick. Right. So the, the biggest thing, like Tim mentioned, you just need to identify the chassis. Which right. You can go to the What's My Monitor page on Bob Roberts' site to do that. And then you need to identify the tubes by checking the resistance on them. And and there are websites, and Tim, I think we have a link down below in the show description, okay. where you can check to see which yoke resistances are compatible with which chassis. Right. And then it's a matching game, right? Yeah. So you write down the yoke resistance, put a label on the tube. You put a little piece of paper on the chassis. This is what it is, and then you you play um, you play uh, what is it like fill in the blank or right. you know. Uh, so what you I, what I would do first is probably identify my chassis. Right. Put all my forty nine hundreds, all my forty six hundreds, all my seven thousands. I put all the, or e- even if you don't know what they are, put the ones that look alike. You know, put all those right. together. Then once you find out what those those are, then you can start. But you know, then I, somebody out there is thinking seventy monitors is a good problem to have. So yeah, that's true. You know, and I inherited them, so it doesn't sound like there was a lot of money involved. So um, maybe that let Gary let us know how that worked out. That would be an interesting video. There you go. To watch that or see some of that progress going along, or how long it takes you to do all that. It's, Pretty big task. Absolutely. So I'm going to go ahead and show this here, Tim. Now, this is not the picture of Gary's. I just thought it was kind of similar to what his setup might look like. But oh. um, there you go with some just tubes stacked on top of tubes. <laughs> but uh, So you can start by identifying every monitor chassis you have to determine the make and model. And the What's My Monitor page on Bob Roberts' site will help you out. And Tim, we have a link down below for that. You will then need to identify the tubes you have by their yoke resistance ratings. There are several resources to match yoke resistance ratings to a particular make and model monitor chassis. And Tim, I think we linked to a post on maybe arcadecontrols.com that shows some of the chassis and what their yoke resistance is. So then, like I said, after that, what is it? It's just a game of matching them up. Right. So that's it. So, but like Tim mentioned, if the neck board doesn't fit... You must quit. You must quit. (laughs) 
you can't go any further. If you nope. got more pins than you have holes or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. So. Too many pins, too little holes. <laughs> That's right, exactly. Then obviously you have to stop. So make sure that the neckboard fits. Don't force a neckboard on. Right. Big time key. Uh, doing that, you'll break a pin or you'll damage a neckboard. We've had both happen. Don't force it on. It should, you know, the pin should match up perfectly. And when you push, it just should snugly fit on right. there and kind of click into place. And, and if so. any of them are hissing at you, treat it like a snake. That's not That's a good right. sign, right? <laughs> there you go. So there you go. So identify the chassis. But make and model, go to like the What's My Monitor page at Bob Roberts' site. Take the yoke readings off, which we've got some of the um, ways that you can do the yoke resistance on our uh, on the links down below. And then match them up, and then you'll be good to go. So hopefully that answers your question, Gary. Good luck identifying all 75 monitors. <laughs> so yeah. there you go. Uh, definitely a daunting task, for sure. I think so. Now, Tim, Joe Rivera is here. He says, hi, team. Miss you guys. Keep up the awesome work. Joe, we What's miss up, you too. Joe? What's up, man? Enjoying the baby picture. That's right. I was, about, <laughs> I was about to say, so... Dad, dad stuff is awesome. Keep, Love being a dad. Keep posting. I like, to, I like to see them. Feel like I'm being a part there. There the, you go. The rearing here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joe, thanks for joining us tonight. We always enjoy having you here. Danny says, really wanting a Pac-Man cabinet or Galaga or both. I've looked into building them myself because they want so much just for empty cabinets, especially popular games. And Nintendo is one, too. Yeah, it sounds like my son is outside the door. I think he wants to come in. Speaking of daddy right there. Right. So, um, you know, obviously. But, Tim, um, Danny wants a Pac-Man or Galaga cabinet. Any suggestions for him as far as finding one? Well, that the for, fortunate thing, that is the cabinet that a lot of people sell the repros of. Sure. And if you can, uh, if you put a 60 in one or something, you'd have both. Right. So I would highly recommend building your own multi-cave. Uh, I think the kits that we talk about, I know that the Holland Computer Kit, Arcade Shop sells a kit. Uh, there's probably other resources. I think if, if those are your games and you can't find dedicated ones, that's a very good alternative. Arcade Shop has sold uh, cabinets, Tim, I mean, uh -huh. for a long time. And now the shipping's a little high, but, I mean, if you're looking for a cabinet, Arcade Shop will sell you one, too. Tim, we used to keep around the side of a Miss pac In fact, uh -huh. we still have it. The side of a Miss Pac-Man cabinet <laughs> just so we could cut out, just so we could put it down on a sheet of wood, trace it out, and cut it out. Yeah, we uh, made, we've made several of our own. They're probably floating around Texas somewhere that would look probably almost like they came from the factory, but we made them ourselves. So. Right, exactly. So, I mean, you know, if you have if you have a template, you can pretty mm -hmm. much build it pretty easily. There's not a whole lot to it. You know, it's pretty easy. Uh, so that's another way to go about it. Definitely building your own is always an option for you, Danny. So um, Arcade Shop, though, does sell them. Holland Computer sells kits, like we mentioned, Tim. Cocktail kits. I think they have an upright kit. If you contact them, they'll let you and know. And there's probably the plans floating around the Internet, too, where you could go to a local cabinet shop and yep. have somebody cut you out one. And we've done that before, too. Yeah. So in a local cabinet shop is a lot cheaper a lot of times than what you get with, like, Arcade Shop because they have to build it and ship it to you, so a mm -hmm. little bit different. So uh, check a local cabinet shops and see what they would charge to do that if you have the plans as well so let's see davin says i reached out to bob roberts a few months ago email response bob is not available please look elsewhere for help if you haven't heard from him in a while mike check before referring people to him and yeah and and here's the thing we know that bob right. has not been taking orders for a while yeah guys. we're not referring him to him to his site exactly we are referring to his site the what's my monitor page on his site is still a very good page his site does a lot of resources, even though you can no longer get parts from Bob. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, but you so, can read the articles. Exactly. And... He's still got the Geo7 Curlfix mod up there, which is very helpful for you guys who have Electrohome Geo7 monitors. He's got, obviously, the monitor identification page that we just talked about. Tim, he's got one that breaks down how to do sync. 
which right. is very valuable on a monitor and all that kind of stuff. So there's still a lot of great resources on Bob Roberts' page, but please keep in mind, he's no longer selling parts. Right. Okay, so you, if you're contacting him about stuff, more than likely he, you're not going to get a response. But the resources on his page are still very valuable. So make sure you check out his page if you're looking for information about arcade repair. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Uh, oh, let's see. We refer people to a website for reference, not to buy parts. Louie actually said that for us. Exactly. Uh, so, for reference. Yeah, don't buy parts from Bob Roberts anymore. He doesn't sell them anymore. So, um, you know, which is sad. Yeah, Bob, if sad. you're watching this, please come back. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, we understand. Life gets in the way, Tim. Right. Health, other things. So, um, we wish uh, Bob Roberts the best, for sure. Right. Maybe it's just retirement, too. Maybe yeah, exactly. Maybe he's just enjoying some of time off. Exactly. It's, I mean, he's been doing this a long time, guys. So. Mm -hmm. But anyway. Okay, Tim. It looks like we're caught up, so let's move to some YouTube questions. <coughs> Excuse me. Jay says, when I turn on my arcade machine, it comes on. I can hear the game come on. It's working, but my monitor shows a fully purple screen. I can't see anything. Can someone help me? And then uh, Zelos says, I tried drilling holes in plexiglass, and I guess my step drill bit wasn't fine enough. When they crack, it can pierce your eyes. Do you wear safety glasses? I need to find a better step drill bit because mine isn't doing it for me. So, Tim, we have two questions here. We have one from Jace that's wondering about his game, which just basically has a purple screen, but he can hear it. Mm -hmm. And then we have Zelos, who's trying to drill some holes in some plexiglass, and it sounds like he may have cracked it. So, yeah. Tim, let's go with Jace real quick. What do you think's going on with... Just this purple screen on his arcade monitor. Well, the good news is he says he can hear it. Right. So that seems to rule out that uh, he's having some kind of board issue. Not or, necessarily. Or not necessarily, but to an extent. To an extent. That um, there's a lot of good things going on. But having said that, a straight purple screen, he's not getting a signal for some reason. Sure. So I would definitely check the wiring going to your monitor and also to make sure that um, it's not your monitor, you know, that it is. In other words, when you unplug, uh, do you just get a straight white screen then? Does it change colors? Does it do anything different? Uh, but you need to check the cabling and stuff. Uh, I would definitely suspect that there's some kind of connection issue. Absolutely. And, Tim, it could be a board issue. Not going to rule that out like we mentioned. It could be because there's video output on your board that could cause that. So what game was it? Did we he say? He did not say. See, yeah, it could be a newer say. game. You right. could have a bad video card. Right. Uh, depending on the game, something like that. That's something causing, bad in the video section of the Right. Board. So you still hear the gameplay, but you don't see the video. So that's something that I would check also. But a lot of times when you get like a single color bright like that, I mean, sometimes right. it can be the board. Like with CPS2 boards, for instance, for we'll sure. have that. Where, you know, like if it's suicide, you'll have like a single right, color. Right, but you won't always hear it playing and working. Correct. That's, and that's, that's that's kind of the key here, exactly, is that we're hearing some playing and some working. And so in this particular case, a lot of times a straight color screen just means that you're not getting a signal, like right. you mentioned. And so I think in Jace's case, he definitely needs to check his input stuff like you mentioned now tim what about zelos here about the step drill bit it sounds like he well, cracked it yeah and even with any bit you still got to be careful not to put in a lot of pressure but i always would start off with a very small uh, uh high speed drill bit pilot hole you know so to to not just start with the I don't know if we showed that in the video or not but i think we just used the step drill bit which is fine but here's the deal guys make sure you keep the plastic on it yeah. That makes a huge difference right. in cracking. And we do recommend the safety goggles. Okay, yes, we did sure. not use them, but it's not a bad idea. To, it's never a bad idea to wear safety glasses. For sure. Never. And so if you're worried about cracking, do that. 
Um, Tim, the biggest thing that we've seen with people cracking them, though, is when they try to push down too hard or, with the or with the going bag. too fast. Exactly. You know, if so if you're trying, if you're pushing down too hard, you really need to let the drill bit do its thing. Exactly. So you just hold it, let the weight of the drill kind of rest on the plexi. Don't push mm-hmm. down. Right. Just let the weight of the drill rest, and as it starts to to go through the plexiglass, once you get that first layer done, it's all gravy after that. Right. So once you get the first top of the step drill bit in, then after that it, it's very easy. It just it takes just a second. Agreed. So, but if you're if you're pushing down, you're gonna crack it. I mean, it's no different than if you're taking a screwdriver and pushing down with the screwdriver on the plexiglass. Right. You're gonna crack it. But try to let the drill bit, try to let the step drill bit do its thing. Drill a little bit at a time, and then once it falls through, you can go as far as you need to go. Right. And there are different brands of plexiglass some are a little bit more expensive and but there there's a reason why they are a little tougher right and uh, they will not crack as easily so you kind of get what you pay for in a step bit too yeah we um yeah exactly if you're buying the harbor freight one not a big fan of the harbor freight step drill bit i've Mm -hmm. used it and don't like it so um there's one that we recommend in that video there's a link to one on amazon that that we actually used that one is better Um, yeah the harbor freight one Harbor, like anything with Harbor Freight, right. hit or miss. Right. <laughs> so uh, always keep that in mind. There's some stuff, Tim, at Harbor Freight I absolutely love, and there are some things that I would never buy at Harbor Freight. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So keep that in mind. So cordless power tools at Harbor Freight, right. just don't do it. Right. Don't do it. DeWalt, get right. you a name brand cordless. But like a mirror magnet that you're going to check behind your game when you're working on monitors. Yeah, you're great, fine. Great, great place. Exactly. Great place to buy some... Uh, Little security bits or stuff right, like exactly. that. Right, so, exactly. Man, they have the they have the best deal on those security bits. Yeah, yeah. Flashlights, or mm-hmm. I mean, batteries, painting supplies. I mean, there's a lot of things at Harbor Freight that are great. But right. cordless cordless parts and step drill bits, or drill bits in general, because yeah. I got some concrete drill bits to do the. Um, I, I've done some of the. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've done some of the shutters on my house with plastic, oh, okay. and their concrete bits cracked. Oh. So. Drill bits in general at, right. at Harbor Freight just you don't. You kind of get what you pay for sometimes. Don't buy drill bits there. Um, buy your drill bits at Home, home Depot Well, like Lowe's. you go to Home Depot or Lowe's, sometimes you only need that one size bit. You don't have to buy a whole kit, and you can get mm. a higher dollar bit for that one <coughs> size you need. Exactly. Like concrete bits. Exactly. So buy, for drill bits, buy the good brands. Don't buy the cheap stuff. Don't cheap out on the no. drill bits. Right, right? or the electrical tape either. Exactly. Irwin makes good bits. That's what Michael says. Yeah, Ir- yeah Irwin Vice, they make yes. good everything. So, um, but uh, anyway, so let's show this real quick, Tim. So, Jace, you want to make sure that you have a good connection between your main game board and your monitor. Check all the wires and or cabling running between the two points. Might use a continuity check on your multimeter to ensure a connection is being made. We always recommend continuity check, Tim. It's a great yep. way to check, right? make sure you're getting good connections. Zelos, even with the step drill bit, you need to be careful about not pressing down too hard on the plexiglass. Take your time. Let the drill bit do the work. The type of plexiglass you buy matters, like you said, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, safety glasses are not a bad idea, just in case you do crack it. And Tim, now here's another thing is though, if you keep the plastic on, it keeps it from cracking a lot. So even if you do crack it, if it's underneath the plastic, a lot of times that plexi won't fly up at you. Right. You know, so leave the plastic on. Yeah. Big time. Leave the plastic on before until you cut everything you need to cut, then peel it. Right. So can't say anything better than that. Okay. You can also draw on the plastic and it, without yes. drawing on your plexi. Exactly. So if you if you have a layout intended, exactly. If you already have your control panel layout, you can go ahead and draw it on the plastic, drill all the holes that you need, and then peel the plastic off, and you're right where you need to be. So cool stuff. 
Okay, Tim. Uh, last question here, and it's a little bit different. Okay. So it's from the Headless Horseman. He says, hello, and Tim and Jonathan. This is the Headless Horseman from YouTube here. I don't think he's here with us tonight, Tim, but he's somewhere out there. He'll be watching this soon, hopefully. I had a quick question. I hope no one has asked before. Hopefully, both of you can answer. What is the worst arcade-related injury? What is your worst okay. arcade-related injury? I know both of you took a shot from a flyback before. Was there anything worse than that? Um, did you ever cut yourself in a, with an exacto knife when working on a machine? Did you ever topple over on top of you? Or did a machine ever topple over on top of you when moving or working on one? Ever throw your back out lifting a heavy game that you should have had help moving, etc.? In my case, I had an 80s era Dixie Narco all metal frame Pepsi machine topple over on me before when I was moving it on a dolly. It was no fun, but I escaped with just a couple of bruises. Definitely could have been worse. Thank you for answering. Hope you guys are doing well. Okay. So Tim, worst arcade related injury, and maybe the people in the chat can also chime yeah. in on this. They have some good stories. Um, I'll let you go first. What's the worst thing you think you've done? Boy, when he was asking those questions, I'm going yes, 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 yes. <laughs> that's happened. Um, probably the worst was getting shocked. Yeah. Um, I, I I will have to say that the one that I felt for a couple of days. I've had plenty of uh, minor cuts and bruises. Um, usually used to go home from work look like I've been in a cat fight and cats scratched me all over but for most of part uh, I have been uh, fortunate but I would say that um, I do feel like that uh, one year we moved a lot of games a lot of pinball machines without dollies and stuff and I did have to have back surgery one yes, time I remember that. so um, you know I highly would recommend um, especially younger guys to Use dollies, lifts, whatever Lift from you can. Legs, all back, that back straps. All that good stuff because I I do feel like oh uh, that it probably was not the only thing that contributed because I did work in a warehouse for ten years. Right. Um, at the same time, you know, I, I I would be I'm a lot smarter these days in how I move stuff, you know, from moving a game yesterday, right, Jonathan? Right, exactly. And uh, what that was like. What about you, John? I can't think of any so major. I'll, I'll talk about what you were talking about yesterday. So I moved a game yesterday because I was cleaning up the game room. The, right. the Soul Edge, the stinky Soul Edge that I talked about <laughs> okay. in the earlier show. But um, I put it in the I put it in the truck myself. You know, I loaded it up. But when it came to getting it out, it had casters on it, which we've also talked about. Right. And every time I pick it up. The casters would roll back, and this thing had a 25-inch monitor, and it's super heavy. Uh -huh. And so at one point, I'm just like, I need help. So I called a buddy. I tried to call you. You're right, at work. But works. I called um, I called another friend. He came and helped me with it. I try to be smart about that stuff. I'm not going to try to pick it up myself if right. I know I can't handle it. Um, I've had games slip out from underneath when I had the dolly on them, like, oh, you, know, yeah. the, you know, like kind of miss and had that. Um, <clears throat> cuts and bruises come with the territory. I mean, you're just going to get cut up and bruised. Um, working on control panels, your hands are just going to get totally cut up um i don't think we've ever sli i've never sliced off anything right or anything like that um thankfully like so exacto knife stuff like a lot of times i don't think we've ever had anything like that we try to be really careful try, I mean, for the most part and, and i think we've been fortunate um i had a ca capacitor blow in my ear I, I was listening it was kind of making a hissing noise and i was listening at it and it blew up right in my ear pop and I lost hearing in that ear for about two or three days, and it just ringing in my ear. That may have been the worst. If you really had to just hurt and couldn't sleep and my head hurt, um, that was one of the worst things that ever happened to me. Any Anybody in the chat room chiming in yet? Uh, you know, Louis says he got shocked. 
Yeah. YouTube Punk says he can't stick around, but he'll catch the replay, and he donated some money. Oh, thank, thank you, you, YouTube Punk. If you're watching this later, we always appreciate you being here. Sorry you couldn't make the whole show. Next month, we'll be back. But um, anyway, so, I mean, probably being shocked was probably yeah. the worst. I mean, shocked. But, you know, the shock yeah, is one of those hurt. things that just kind of, yeah, exactly, catches you <laughs> off guard, it seems. Right. Like. Even though you know, like, it's a possibility, until you feel it. Right. You know, it just, it doesn't. Um, one of the things, too, is... Have you ever sat a chassis on your lap? Like, yeah. And it sticks into you? Uh huh. And, like, then you, like, scrape it off? And, oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Ooh. So, um, like, the solder points on the bottom of, of, like, modern chassis sometimes are so sharp that they'll go right through your clothes or if you're wearing shorts or something like that. And that really hurts. I just, oh. I burned my fingers plenty of times yeah. on a solder or soldering iron. Yeah. Uh, that kind of stuff, you know, adds up over time. It's been just burned. like. Yeah, you know. Been shocked. Been, been shocked, yeah. Nothing, but, I mean, we're still alive, and I'm yeah. not missing any fingers or digits or and toes. nothing or ever made me scared to attempt another repair or exactly. something. I'm sure there are worse, <clears throat> but um, anybody in the chat room come up with a horror story yet? Oh, I uh, no, but um, let's see. Michael says, I love how people think a CRT will kill you. Well, you know, a lot of them had warnings on the back that said... Yeah, they much. made you think that. Right. And I don't, uh, and I, I see how it is possible. Um, yeah, I, it is technically possible. Uh, I had an assistant tech one time that was shocked and we had to take him to the emergency room. It did run across his heart and scare mm. him pretty good. Um, so, and like I tell, for those who know my story, I won't go into the details. I just say that, you know, when power goes in, it comes out yep. somewhere. And so, uh, not being able to sit down very good for a couple of days was was my my story. Anybody else in there? Uh, no, I think that's about it. So, if anybody else has huh. any other stories of how they got beat up, I mean, so the shock is the worst, I think, just because, like I said, a lot of times you're not expecting it, right? And it'll throw you back depending on how, like, what you're touching, right? Like, you'll literally, like, you'll be like, ah. Yeah, you know, and it can be really scary for like half a second, uh, you know. And, we but, definitely yeah, haven't. Okay. I don't think we've definitely had much blunders like that in shooting videos. No, we've had been very lucky. And no, we'll I try mean, to be careful too. Exactly. I mean, and it, you know, one thing I think that it always helps, John, that we always kind of worked on stuff together. Mm -hmm. So that saved, like you said the other day, you were trying to move this by yourself. Right. Two people, it was easy, right? Right. And so I think having a buddy or a friend, just an extra a pair of check. eyes, hey, watch out, or don't, don't do this, or let me help you, that really saves a lot of, uh, of pain and agony and, and hopefully some mistakes. We've blown up a lot of electronic parts, right. transistors, capacitors, you know, <laughs> just putting them in wrong sometimes. But sometimes probably most of the times I can think of even getting burned or hurt or, or that time that capacitor blew in my ear, was I was by myself. So. Right. I think it definitely has a little advantage to uh, to having two people buddy or, or buddy system, yeah. There you go. Okay, uh, well, before we move on to your tech tip, Tim, it seems like we've got a couple of other things here. Um, JR says, I consider myself a newbie. I noticed a lot of games I recently picked up have a special kind of fuse installed. Most of them, it's a Wrigley's gum wrapper. <laughs> Why? Why, LOL. Um, well, because... <laughs> We're operators, and we want to get the game running. Yeah, they're they're being uh, cheap and fixed and exactly. quick. Exactly. You don't but, always have the five amp slow blow fuse that you need. In fact, right. you may not have a fuse on you. Right. So what do you do? Well, hopefully you, you get the game working. Hopefully you do take a box of fuses with you and yes, be prepared, sure. even if you go the wrong size fuse and a temporary is better than Wrigley's gum. But I have <laughs> seen that, and it is kind of scary when you think about it. 
um, you know, used to, uh, we'd go to auction or whatever, we'd see a game blow a fuse, we'd be like, oh, it's a fuse, it's just a fuse. Well, some cause that fuse to blow, and so by hijacking that part and making it, forcing it to work, uh, is not great either because there's still something going on that that fuse is preventing further damage. Exactly. So now you're just looking to get in your board or your chassis or something blown exactly. up. Exactly. So yeah, we're not a big fan of the Wrigley's uh, work well, experiment, but in that particular brand, never big red. That's always true. Wrigley's. It's well, they like the silver. I think it's the silver wrapper. I guess so. Well, it is what it is. So anyway, okay, Tim. Well, we are done with the questions for this month, but we do have a tech tip. And okay. Tim, this is a little bit different, but this is something yeah, you had kind of messaged me about. And I think if um, there's a lot of operators out there that may be um, curious about this, and it sounds like something you've done. So why don't you go ahead and tell us what's going on here? Well, uh, turn this tech tip is about turn your arcade uh, crane machine into a redemption game. And uh, what we did recently was we purchased some redemption balls from Redemption Plus out of Kansas. And what they do is um, the, the, you mix them in with your crane machine or your toys, but they actually, if you can see, as you can see on the picture, they say like 100, 200, 50, 100 uh, different prizes and they have a barcode on there. And of course, if you use embed system like we do, when you scan it, it comes in. So they turn it in, they win that ball. We give them a similar ball, so they still get a ball to take home. And then we give them that amount of tickets uh, to the, add that to their winnings. So, uh, pretty cool idea, I thought. Now, one, I think if you, kind of anything that could cause uh, someone to want to play that crane machine more, which we're going to get into in just a little bit. Well, I don't know if we're going to talk about that. I don't have that story. That was okay. Scary, but we'll well, um, you know, that is something that, that, anything that drives revenue. So you still give them the ball. And gives them up. I, I give them a different ball because I want to keep but that one. But you give one. them a ball. Right. Because right. when I keep that one, guess what I'm doing with it? I'm going to recycle put it, it back put in it back the in the game. Sure. Let somebody else win it. And also I can control which balls I have in at any given time. Sure. It's not all full, feel full of these balls. I have them mixed in, so I might so I might throw a 500 ticket one in there, or maybe just a 50 ticket one or something. So uh, I thought it was a novel and a neat idea. And uh, but even if it didn't have the barcode, if they just brought it up there and your redemption, you can redeem it for 500 tickets. I think that's just kind of cool. Instead of winning a teddy bear or something. Uh, so what I would my tech tip this month is to try to come up with. Uh, new and inventive uh, ways to get people to play the same game. Sure. And uh, kind of like the op operator that would put a $10 bill around a teddy bear and put him in there. Right. Which one do you want to win, right? The bear with the, Old you know. David that would Velcro it down to the bottom. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a different story. But uh, anyway, uh, that was my tech tip for this month. If you haven't checked into that uh, company, Redemption Plus, uh, they do uh, preferred opera, uh, preferred vendor for me as an operator, and I think that those ticket ball uh, things are pretty neat. And they sell them in different sizes, so we have them for them for the small crane, and we actually have the big giant balls for the big giant crane that we have. Nice. And, you know, Tim, one of the things I love is, like, when uh, whenever I go to Mr. Gaddy's, it seems like there's always at least one kid with those giant balls around. Right. So that means that they're winning them out of that crane. Exactly. Uh, we It holds 50, we now found. Now it's a dollar a play? It's uh, $2 a play. $2 a play. Uh, it holds 50, and uh, we go through probably 50 a week. Wow. And uh, 
So, so people are winning at your place. Yeah, well, we want them to win because uh, when they go out of that game room bouncing that big ball, everybody knows they won it, they got it. And it's just a, for, especially for a little kid, I saw a little girl carrying one out. And I thought, wow, that ball is almost as big as she is. You couldn't even see, couldn't see her hair. All you could see was these two little hands and feet below that ball. <laughs> and she was walking around with it. Uh, but that's part of the fun, right? So now that we can offer even more fun with the same game without really doing anything to it. So I'm always curious if you have a tip like that on something that if you're an operator, um, and we have several operators in here yep. and also that listen to us. So this this was more of an operator tip this month, but we like to do things that are a little, little, little different. And so if you've got any other tips for us, on how to make revenue and stuff and, and make games more exciting like that. Same game, just a little twist. Uh, be sure and email and let us know about it. There's a reason why those coin pushers always have the dollar bills, too, on their right. stuff, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, always it kind of, you know, it changes up the game. It's hard to do that with, like, video games a lot right. of times, you know. But you got to remember, like, back in the day with, like, uh, speed-up chips and zoom buttons and things like that, that's basically what they were trying to do, too. Yeah, our most popular game, of course, is the Marvel uh, game where they're trying to win the cards. Yeah. And it's a pusher and... They try. They collect those cards, and you can turn them in for a really big prize. So, there you go. So yeah. So there's always good ways to change the way that you're making money, right? right. They, you know, try some different things. Like I said, I don't know if like may you know zoom buttons and speed up chips may be kind of like a past thing, but it seems like uh, mod. It seems like mods on video arcade games nowadays aren't really a thing. Not like right. they used to be back in the day, and maybe just because of the way how expensive they are and different things. But um, it would be nice to see more, I guess, cabinets with upgradeability like that, for sure. So, anyway. Tim, I think that was pretty good. So, let us move on here to some news. Now, the first okay. thing we have here, Tim, is something that... Um, it pretty kinda, big news. Yeah, we actually got a, a lot of uh, feedback on this. So, um, Replica Star Wars Arcade 1-Up Machine revives classic X-Wing controller. The new Arcade 1-Up Star Wars cabinet is slated to arrive this fall and is... The only at-home arcade cabinet to feature the original arcade software and features an X-Wing pilot controller. The iconic X-Wing flight stick is put to good use in the three Star Wars games that come with the cabinet, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Of course, Tim, these are all vector games, like we mentioned. So on this screen, they don't look as good as they would on a vector monitor, but they're still pretty cool. Now, Tim... A lot of people never thought Arcade 1-Up was going to do Star Wars. Right. I mean, Star Wars, for one, you have to license the Atari, which they've already licensed a lot of Atari stuff, but you also have to license the Star Wars license from it. But they were able to to do this. Now, Tim, I believe the price is going to be $500 or $499, so it is more expensive than some of the other Arcade 1-Up cabinets that you get. But you're also getting like the yoke. You're getting the X-wing flight stick. You're getting right. three it's games. Right, not a joystick. Not getting a joystick okay. and a button for this. You're getting an, a pretty authentic arcade experience, except for maybe the monitor. Right. Okay. And so, when I was looking through comments, it seems like this game in particular may have changed the minds of a lot of different people who had thought in the past that well, arcade because, one up was not as because Star Wars have gotten so unaffordable for most people. Yeah, like what? What is the going rate for Star Wars now? Two grand. Yeah, at least. So, I mean, exactly. So, but Tim, with that in mind, I think we should go to our arcade debate segment Ah. for this episode, Tim. And that is, does the upcoming Atari Star Wars Arcade 1-Up cabinet change your mind about purchasing one? 
Now, Tim, obviously, I've already purchased some, but okay. you haven't. I'll, okay, I'll be, so this I'll is more, I guess, about you. Right. Um, but, um, you know, for a lot of guys out there, this is kind of just to pre- present a pro and con okay. with some of the people out there. Have you been poo-pooing arcade one up for lack of a better term and now has this changed your mind about them or do you still think that arcade one-ups are basically just cheap knockoffs of full-size cabinets i guess is the is the thing tonight fair enough so tim let us uh, with that in mind let us go ahead and go to our our arcade debate here we go boom okay I got, I got to scoot over a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Tim, we'll do a little reset here, and then we'll move on to it and uh, and get right into the arcade debate. Well, hello, guys, and welcome to the arcade debate for this evening. And, Tim, it's interesting that Arcade 1UP has just announced a new Star Wars cabinet coming this fall. And this is something that a lot of people thought would never happen, mainly because the Star Wars license is obviously very coveted and, and can be expensive depending on the item. But they're making it. It's got the actual X-Wing control flight stick on it. It's, and it is Vector Games, but obviously it's still on LCD monitor. So there's a lot of collectors out there, to Tim, now that have kind of changed their mind about Arcade 1UP. So the question is, does the Arcade 1UP Star Wars cabinet change your mind about Arcade 1UP at all? So Tim, what do you think? Does it change your mind? Do you still have a similar opinion as before they announced it? Or have you changed your mind and now you're more positive towards Arcade 1UP? I think that I'm still a similar opinion, John. I don't uh, see that this is the savior for the Arcade 1UP to bring the arcade community on board. Okay, so, well, I I think it actually could be the savior for bringing the arcade community on board because we'll get into that, but I'm going to let you say first. So why Mm -hmm. do you not think that this is the savior for bringing the arcade community on board? I love that (laughs) phraseology. I'm going to keep using it. It's still the mini midget cabinet. It's still (laughs) that that are made for either really short people or, you know, it's the same problem. They still didn't fix a couple of issues, and nobody's played one yet. I'd I'd be very... Uh, surprise, just like the Tempest Spinner wasn't anywhere close to a Tempest, that that flight joystick is anywhere close to the original Star Wars joystick. So here's the, I'm going to agree with you on the Tempest Spinner. We all know it was terrible, okay? It was not a good spinner. I have the 12-in-1 cabinet. It is not a good spinner. But I think that the flight yoke is going to be different, Tim. It seems like they have partnered with some people who make arcade quality parts in this case. Now, Tim, I know that it's probably coming out of China, and who knows what we're going to end up with as a final result. But I think that at least it shows that Arcade 1UP is doing their due diligence when it comes to controls. They could have put a joystick and a button on this thing, right? But they didn't. They decided to go full-on yoke, and I, for one, support it. What do you say? I think that's a much better uh, idea that, you know, you're are the actual joysticks. It was like making a Tron with push buttons or something. You right. just can't. There are certain things you can't do, and I think Tron would be another game that they should tackle. But well, that's another story. But still, you're, Jonathan, there, there's something about original Star Wars, that vector monitor that you're not going to get. It's gonna, not going to look the same on an LCD Unless they could replicate how that vector really looked, I think that you're still going to disappoint a lot of arcade collectors. But here's the thing about Star Wars, Tim. How much is a fully restored arcade Star Wars going for right now? I have no idea except for that it's very expensive. Probably Let's say two to $3,000. At least. Let's say at fully least. restored at two to $3,000. And how many games do you get with that, Tim? 
You get one. Now, you can buy the kit that allow you the, all three games. There is a kit. I think Stan had one that allowed just two, uh-huh. if I remember correctly. So there is a kit that you can get, but that will be more money on top of it. So maybe you're looking at a minimum investment of like three to $4,000 to get this. We're talking about something that costs 500 bucks, and you're getting all three games. I think for the price that you're getting, there's a lot of collectors who want a Star Wars that this may be good enough to get them into Arcade One Up. I think it's a good Star Wars piece to add to your figurine collection because it's about <laughs> the same size as the figurines. In fact, they probably made some Star Wars figurines that are taller. But at the same time, does the marquee light up? I don't. Not on this particular model. I don't think so, Tim. It's like you still. They still have some things they've done improved on. But there's still the stuff arcade people want that they're still lacking on. Now, there's a good aftermarket for light-up marquees and things like that. So don't, I mean, it's not, a, to me, I don't think it'd be a deal-breaker. Tim, I think in the response that we've seen, several arcade people who were not looking at Arcade 1-Up at all are now starting to look at it because of Star Wars. And I assume that there's going to be a higher price tag because they're not going to sell it. It's not going to be at the bargain bin at Walmart like well, the others. We're talking are. about four ninety nine, okay, right. versus three to four thousand dollars. I think you know we're talking about almost a tenth of the price of what it would cost. You could buy ten <laughs> arcade one up Star Wars for what it would cost you to buy one actual <laughs> Star Wars arcade. Now you're talking four ninety nine compared to two ninety nine like the other ones. That's are true. they? Is there really that much more into this one? Other than Yoke and licensing, fees. yoke and licensing. That's what I would say, yoke and licensing. But guys, it really doesn't matter what we say. What do you think? Has the arcade one up Star Wars changed your mind at all about the arcade one up brand? Tim, is there anything else you want to say before we head out? No, I think that it is a move in the right direction. Still got a little ways to go for arcade one up, but I think many collectors are going to be happy that you're bringing those more rare games that aren't as easily accessible as, say, a Centipede or a Miss Pac-Man. Sounds good. Well, thank you guys for joining us for the Arcade Debate tonight. And let us know what you think by posting in the comments if you're on Facebook. If you're on Twitter watching this, respond back. Let us know what you think. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next Arcade Debate segment. Okay, are we done? Yeah. Uh, okay. How many of these live shows have we done and debate topics have we done now? Um, I, well, I keep, 29. I keep thinking of how do you keep coming up with new ones, but at the same time, there's always something to debate. There's right? always something to, There's always something to fight about. Right. So, I mean, it always is. And as you know, by the show, we, we, we kind of pick a side. Sometimes I'll pick the, whatever my opposite opinion is, or we'll both have the same opinion. Right. Uh, we do think it's a probably pretty cool um, that they at least moving into something like that. Yeah. I now, I think that does come with the riser help. for the 500. Yeah. And it is a Star Wars riser, okay. which is kind of cool. So, That's I mean, neat. you are getting Different. it a little bit taller than what you normally would, but still, it, it's still an arcade 1-Up when you look. And the cabinet style is different than the rest of the arcade 1-Ups. It's styled more like the traditional Star Wars cabinet, I which is that. really cool. The picture, it does... And, and the artwork, we've, we've never had much other than the control panel. Right. We haven't had any. The artwork has always been kind of amazing anyway. Yeah, they've done really good. I mean, all of the cabinets, I think, have fairly decent artwork on yeah. them. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen one that's just, like, terrible. Right. Um, the Asteroids cabinet, uh, the Street Fighter cabinet, and the 12 and one all look nice to me. I mean, you know, as What's far as the What's the chat seen. room chiming in now? Uh, let's see. Oh, Return of the Jedi was a raster game. Oh, okay. I, yeah. So, yes, um, he is, that is correct. That is correct. So it's on this, though. Okay. So, I mean, you can play it. But anyway, uh, Matthew said, and I think that's um, something else here. Oh, he says, I think all when it, uh, arcade one-ups, we'll just say, are terrible. It's a neat idea, but the quality and size are horrible. Quality is not as bad as what you'd think. Yeah. After owning one, um, yeah. it's it's 
for the price for the that price. you're paying, exactly, it really isn't terrible well, quality. Well, I'll be honest. We, I drive a, uh, my wife drives a Hyundai. Right. Okay. Uh, I've, she had a Santa Fe Limited, and it is comparable with a Lexus. Sure. It, that it has a bow stereo system, has a sunroof, it has leather seats and stuff. If you're sitting in that feature car, feature for feature. Yeah, feature for feature, but it's about half the price. Sure. So I understand it's still not a Lexus, and it may not last as long. But at the same time, it's like, man, know, I give that smooth a ride. Exactly. Man, I mean, but right, it's a little still, more road noise. Still get you where you're stuff going. Stuff like that. So we enjoy the Santa Fe. But, <laughs> so I think some people, but, but that's maybe a good analogy that where I don't mind, it has to be a name brand or it has to, you know, what what I'm saying is there are people out there that aren't true blood arcade collectors like us right? that they just want something to play and relive a childhood memory or it looks cool or introduce something like that to their kids. And, that may, and so, you know, it has a market and it is what it is. There you go. So, okay, well, I think that does it, Tim, for the Arcade Debate segment. Now, before I move on here real quick, I'm gonna, uh, we're going to go to a question from Matthew. Speaking about crane claw machines, uh, does anyone have a resource on repairing them? A friend picked up when it's not working. They want me to try to fix it. If you can find the manual for it, if you know what type it is, um, if it's, there's a lot of crane companies that are still in business. Smart Industries, yeah. for instance, is still in business, and Smart made a lot of different cranes. So, um, But if you can find the manual for and it. Who makes, somebody makes a generic board. Holland Computers makes a generic crane head and board. Yeah, that, that's something I would look into. You could technically, because uh, all you want it to do is work. You don't right. care that what the guts are in it or that the head. Holland Computers makes a generic board and a crane head. And, crane and, head. and, you know, and track uh, and everything. Yeah, there you go. So... That may be something that you look into. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but if you can find the manual, Tim, manuals are in value. Yeah, let us know what brand it is. Smart crane industry is still in business. Yeah, they've been in business a long time. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of and, and you lot know what? They cranes, actually are still cranes. very helpful, even with an old crane. Yeah. Clean sweeps, right? Yeah. That's, their one, that's their brand. I always mm-hmm. forget. So, uh, yeah, so if you can find those, if you, if it's a smart industry, you may contact them. But most not, of them work off the same. Uh, they Principles, use a principle right. of the magnet that they Switches. use and stuff. And limit switches. Yeah. So if you can uh, tell me what's going on with it, write us and email us a question. I will be glad to help you. I actually know quite a bit about crane machines. There you go. Common uh, Rider says, do you guys have a ghouls and ghosts cabinet or know of one for sale? So we do not. No. Um, and we don't know of any for sale at this time. But, you know, always keep an eye on eBay, Craigslist, um, diff- different sales sites, yeah, uh, auctions Facebook, near you auctions. Um, those are going to be the places that you want to check out. So, um, but, yeah. I mean, Ghouls and Ghosts in particular can be a hard cabinet to come by. I've seen a couple of them, obviously, over the years. But, um, you know, keep your eyes peeled, and you'll probably find one. Auctions are a great place, like Tim mentioned, depending on where you're located. Um, there's auctions all over the United States. Too. What I would do, I would contact the auctioneer company and tell them, you, and it kind of, you know, how much you're re- actually willing to pay. Tell right. them, I'm looking for this. I'll pay this much for it. You really want the cabinet, it sounds like. So, uh, if you could find one for me i would pay pay you to ship it or deliver it or whatever i was about to say i but know it's gonna that be expensive either way to you do. know david our good buddy he runs um an auction company and he takes bids from people all the time so american like, amusement exactly Amer- american amusement auction so um he you know do he'll, a proxy bid exactly he'll do a proxy bid so if he like you know if you know if he knows you're looking for ghouls and ghosts 
you tell him how much you want to pay. If one comes up, he'll proxy bid it for you. So that way, if it if it sells, he can contact you and say, hey, I sold it, and you'll have to pay. So you'll have to pay all the buyer's premiums and everything like that that you normally have to pay, but um, at least you'll get your hands on one. So Right. So happy 4th, guys, from Andrew. Thank you. Happy 4th to you. Happy you guys like my shirt? I like that. America. It uh-huh. should just say America. Forget the yeah, A. Maybe I'll take out the A. There you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you know, kind of Atari-ish. So there you yeah. go. But um, let's see. Matthew says, thanks, guys. Get some details. Troubleshoot you an email. Thanks. Love tuning into your live shows. Great show, guys. Thank you, Matt. Matthew. Thank you for being here. We love having you here. Right. We love having all you guys here. It's been fun tonight. We've had a lively, lively live chat. Is that a good way to say it? Lively live chat. There you go. I feel like I need to be like uh, practice that on my Anchorman or whatever. But mm-hmm. anyway. new stories, guys. And here's another arcade one up. They didn't just announce uh, Star Wars 10. They also announced Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Marvel superheroes. Wow. And Tim, I don't know if you noticed at their E3 booth, but they had like a 16 foot tall arcade yeah. that I can think was only inspired by our April. Fool's I think show. so. So I'm just gonna give ourselves credit for that. So, but anyway, um, yeah. So these um, these. Tim are pretty nice now. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one is the first one with the four players. Right. And it has Turtles in Time and the regular Ninja Turtles. Nice. And then the Marvel Superheroes has Marvel Superheroes, X-Men Children of the Atom, and Punisher. Which, Tim, to be honest with you, are probably, you know, Marvel Superheroes and X-Men Children of the Atom are probably my least favorite in that series. Mm-hmm. But they're still fun to play. So, and Marvel Superheroes is cool because you can use the different Infinity Stones in it, which is kind of neat. So, I mean, there are some benefits to it. Those are some good games, but uh, you guys can check those out if you're interested in those. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles actually sounds pretty cool, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, because four-player cabinets, like full-size arcade cabinets, Tim, they take up a lot of room. Right. So, I mean, if you have a nice smaller one here, I think this would be great for kids. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, Tim, I was really reaching up to get those controls on the arcade one. Mm-hmm. So, having the shorter one, I think it would be great for your kids and get them into arcade one-up stuff and everything like that as well. Excuse me. So... So look out for those coming out in the fall as well. So we have the we have the um, Star Wars, we have the Marvel superheroes, then we have the Teenage Ninja Turtles guys. So obviously they're stuff. doing good to keep producing more. This games. is Wave Three now, right. so I mean the third wave. So um, they're obviously still putting them out. So we'll see what happens going forward. And Tim, speaking of at-home arcades, we found out some more information on the Legends Ultimate Arcade Machine from At Games. Okay. And it's you know this article says it fixes the biggest problem with modern arcade machines. Now, Tim, when we initially saw this, we thought it was more like an arcade one up. Mm-hmm. But after reading the article, it's more like a main machine. Okay. Okay, and that's the difference, guys. So, like, an arcade 1-Up's kind of really inclusive. Everything's built on the board. It doesn't connect to the internet. You can't download more games to it. It's kind of... It is what it is. Right. But the Legends Ultimate is not. The Legends Ultimate can download games from the internet. Okay. Okay, so you can add more games to it. You can um, you can actually stream games from your PC and play them with the arcade controls. Okay. Uh, through the BYOG, bring your own game... Uh, uh, what do you call that feature nice. so you can actually have direct access so like if you have steam games that you mm-hmm. want to play on it you can do that um and you can also plug it has usb ports on it and audio ports tim you can plug um some of the at games uh controllers into usb ports and it'll let you play those games on the arcade like download basically like a game pack in a way nice so i mean in a way the the legends ultimate is more like a main machine than it is like a like an arcade one up. An arcade one up's totally inclusive. And what do these cost? Um, they're going to be a little bit pricier. We talked about it in the last, uh, in the last episode, and I can't mm-hmm. remember what it is. I think it was five ninety nine for the smaller one, seven ninety nine for the big one. Okay. If I remember, that's just a guess. You have to look it up. But Tim, I mean, this sounds like I said more like what you get, kind of like a 
Kind of like a main machine. That's right. it, They're trying to compete in a different market, I think. Even though okay. their pricing is pretty comparable to Arcade 1-Up, like the higher-end Arcade 1-Ups, it's really more of a fully-featured cabinet that allows for downloading and streaming and all this kind of stuff. Right. So almost like PC-based hardware versus like just a little uh, like microcontroller board gotcha. kind of thing. So. Anyway, so if you're interested in having a main machine, or if you you know if you're look if you've looked at building one, the Legends Ultimate may be what you want to look for instead. Save you some time, some money, and things like that. So, and then Tim, this was a really cool uh, little uh, thing that we saw here. And Tim, I've known about this for a while, but um, just uh, posted it on our uh, Facebook page not too long ago. But Amazon Alexa device owners can enable the Arcade Party skill to make their room sound like an arcade. And Tim, um, the Arcade Party skill is a skill you can add to your Alexa device that will play Andy Huffle's uh, Arcade Ambiance. And if you guys okay. know those audio files, it's basically audio files that make your room sound like an 80s arcade. So either oh, from cool. 81, 82, 83, whatever that. year. So if you say, Alexa, open Arcade Party in the year, it'll so play the sounds. So my Fire Stick, it'll work on this? I, it may. Yeah, I'm you may have to it. install the skill. I'm not for sure on Fire Sticks. But it should actually play the audio from whichever year that you pick. So if you nice. want it, if you want your room to sound like the arcade from 1984, you tell it Arcade Party 1984 and it'll do it. Nice. So pretty cool if you guys want to make your room sound like an arcade without having arcade games in it. Very cool. So there you go. But uh, there's a link here, guys, and there's also a link in the show notes that you can check out as well. Tim, I think we're about to wrap it up here, but we do want to send out a quick reminder that we want your arcade-related videos... Uh, if you want some free advertising for your YouTube channel, we're looking for people to submit short videos, 10 minutes or less, about arcade-related topics. Please send your link to uh, to your video to questions at arcaderepairtips.com, and our staff will review it. If we like it, we'll use it during one of our live show episodes. Make sure to put in a plug-in for your channel so people know where to find you. We look forward to seeing your submissions. Tim, we've had a lot of people do uh, do these. We had Delusional do this. We've had right. Paul, who's in the chat room with us tonight, has also submitted some videos. Uh, we love to promote other channels here, guys, because there's a lot of channels worth promoting, a lot of arcade channels worth promoting here on YouTube, so we want to help other content creators out. So if you have arcade-related videos on your channel and you'd like us to promote them, uh, please uh, send us the information. We'd be happy to do that for you. And then, Tim, let's talk about some contact information. We've got our general email address. That's questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Put live show on the subject to get it mentioned on the show, Tim. We did a couple tonight that that was the case. The one from Headless Horseman and the one right. from Gary. Both said they wanted them covered on the live show, so we did that for you guys. So hopefully you will watch tonight and get some great information from there. We also have our YouTube channel, which, Tim, I don't think we have to tell people where it's at because they're, <laughs> they're here. But if they need help finding it, youtube.arcaderepairtips.com, youtube.arcaderepairtips.com, and comments from the last live show will be covered on the next episode. And, guys, we do want to remind you about our podcast as well that Eric and Rusty will hopefully get around to doing at some point. Now, Tim, just a reminder, we are doing the um, we are posting the audio feed from the live show on the podcast feed. So if you guys are listening to this on the podcast feed, uh, just know that ho sometime Eric and Rusty are going to get back to doing the podcast, I, I hope. So uh, they're very busy opening their latest arcade location. Yeah, so, but <laughs> please send them an email, podcast at arcaderepairtips.com, and tell them you missed the podcast. So yeah. that'd be a great thing to do. But you guys can subscribe to the podcast at itunes.arcaderepairtips.com or at stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com if you want to subscribe on one of those pages. And then we have our social media feeds. We have facebook.arcaderepairtips.com and twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. Thank you, Mark and Louie, for the tremendous work that you guys do on those pages. Louie's in the chat room. 
with us tonight. Give him a big hand, everybody. Dang. Louie, for moderating all of your comments and everything like that. So, uh, But we want to also thank him for posting all sorts of great stuff on Facebook and Twitter for you guys to read. We love that stuff. So, Tim, that about does it for the regular show, but what do we have coming up next? The after show. The after show. Now, if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, the audio version, Tim, you will not get the after show. You can only listen to it on YouTube. But if you'd like to listen to that, Tim, what are some of the things we'll be talking about? Well, we're going to talk about some investments. And how we lost money. Yeah, how we lost money. I'm going to give some updates on uh, my Gaddy's thing. We'll talk about some movies and things that we've seen, TV shows that we've been watching, maybe a little sports talk. Who knows what? Who knows what may come up in the chat room also. That's exactly we'll still correct. still continue to answer questions. That's right. So please stay tuned to the after show. If you guys are so inclined, we'll be covering all sorts of topics. And Tim, the only difference between the regular show and the after show is that no topics is off limits in the after show. There you go. So uh, whereas with the main shows, we obviously try to limit our topics to actual arcade-related stuff. Gotcha. So if you want to hear us talk about or pontificate about some other topics we can we can do that with you in the after show so stay tuned we'll start shortly after the show is over but we want to thank all of you guys for joining us tonight we always love having you all here uh tim is there anything you want to say before we sign off for the main show happy birthday usa happy birthday usa 1776 tim that's a long time ago very long time ago just saying before i was around yeah me too before (laughs) arcades were around can you believe that so well i think uh, they had pinball oh that's true probably pinball but Mm. arcades as we think of arcade games as we think of them obviously video arcade games not around then Mm. so but anyway we do want to wish america a very nice happy birthday happy fourth of july happy independence day you guys go out there have some fun with family maybe invite them over to play some games and we'll see you next month for the august show tim golly it seems like the year's going by really fast august always buy fireworks from the guy with an eye patch and three fingers missing oh that's great advice right there so make sure you get your fireworks from the best tim Mm -hmm. uh now you know they're illegal to shoot off in a lot of areas but tim we're getting into an after show topic but anyway we're gonna leave you right now thank you guys for joining us tonight and remember here at arcade repair tips when you fix the game you you play play the game game and we'll be right back with the after show thanks a lot guys for being here Thank you for watching this episode of the Arcade Repair Tips live show. All of our past episodes are available on our website at ArcadeRepairTips.com or on our YouTube page. This show is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.